everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Agency Nation Radio. My name is Ryan Hanley. With me, as always, is Marty Agather. How are you doing today, Marty? I am great, Ryan, and howdy to our uh, listeners. So just to let everyone know, Marty is a little cranky today because I didn't actually give him true fair warning of the topics that I want to discuss, partially because Marty is one of the best bullshitters I've ever met in my entire life, also because I know both of these things are in his sweet spot, and I think it'll be fun. Um, I've had a chance to kind of formulate some thoughts. I think it'd be fun to get Marty's perception kind of off the cuff, and I think that that will create a good... Um, a good conversation for for these topics. Two incredibly important topics to talk about. Uh, before we get there, though, I want to just give two two pieces of information, and this is related to TrustedChoice.com. And again, this this podcast is free because of TrustedChoice.com, so I think it's okay to give a little plug to our parent company. And just uh, we're very proud um, as of the the recording of this show, Wednesday, November fourth, we've added CNA. For commercial lines in all 50 states. It's amazing, huge national brand, great partners. So happy to have them as part of our platform. And uh, tomorrow, uh, we'll be announcing that Foremost, who originally started 25 states with us, Personal Alliance, has, has in only four months come back and added an additional 10 states. So just really exciting stuff. The, the more carriers we have on the platform, especially big national carriers and carriers uh, that people really believe in, you know, regionals, super regionals are great too. These name brands, you know, the Ohio Mutuals, the Westfields, the Foremost, CNA, by, by adding these types of companies to our platform, it allows us to just expand our reach, bring more agents in, and, and it helps dial in that appetite engine, which makes trustedchoice.com so powerful. So not an advertisement for trustedchoice.com other than to say we're proud of what's going on and the work we've done there. And uh, Marty's a big part of that. Uh, the marketing team, uh, our our VP of product strategy, Derek Hyde, and his team have done an incredible job. The developers, so uh, just just a big shout out. It's a big week for us, and uh, and happy to um, just just share that news with you guys a little bit. And if if you're not an advanced subscriber yet, go to agencynation.com forward slash advantage and and you can learn more. So let's get I, I on. I want to jump. I want to jump on that just for a second. Um, one of the one of the Quite frankly, one of one of the challenges that, that we have in digital marketing, and I just uh, I just wrote a blog post on this, is that um, when you're out in the digital sphere, the business you attract may or may not be exactly in your sweet spot. And so, by bringing on additional carriers into this mix, we broaden the number of products that are available for consumers who are looking for information and ultimately insurance products online. So it really, in addition to providing additional resources for our agency customers, it also provides a lot of added value for consumers as well. Yeah. So it's just, it's all around good things and have two big announcements and like that in one week. I thought that was worth uh, sharing with you guys today. So today's show is going to be, I'm going to say, loosely related to our industry in that it's not exactly specific to what's going on, but because we just got done, the last two episodes talked about digital disruption and we, you know, autonomous cars was part of that and uh, just, just the general automation of the world, I wanted to bring in an article that I found on the website Businesses grow.com 
And uh, I'm going to link up in the show notes. So if you go to agencynation.com forward slash podcast and look for episode number 13, that's this episode, you'll be able to find the link to this blog post. But it's by a guy by the name of Mars Dorian. And uh, he's sharing, the title of the article is Three Tips for Future Proofing Your Digital Career. So uh, he, he's an illustrator. This is actually the guy that did the cover of my book uh, for for just coincidence, um, I think he's very smart. So he's explaining something. He was um, he was at a party, and, and and Mars lives in Germany, and he's at a party, and he's just talking to uh, one of the other guys that's that was there, and the guy was talking about how uh, Daimler just tested their first self-driving trucks on the German autobahn, and and the guy that that he was talking to that that Mars was talking to, his father is a truck driver on the autobahn. So this, so this guy, uh, you know, was, was talking to Mars and said, you know, when my father read this story, the next sentence he said was, that's the end of my job. And when you think about it, this is actually pretty relevant to our industry because, you know, the, 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 the kind of doomsdayers, you know, would say that, you know, and, and, and not that we haven't brought up some of these topics ourselves in just, in just open discussion, but people would say that the insurance industry is facing similar pressures. And, and, and Marty, I want to get your thoughts, but I have to share, I have to share this one idea. So, so before we get deeper into what some of Mars's uh, conclusions are, he shares an additional fact. And this is something we all have to be really cognizant of, right? Uh, in, a, in a recent article that, that came out about Uber, uh, the CEO, uh, Travis Kalanick, said that he hopes within the next 10 years, to replace every Uber driver with a self-driving car. So think about this for a second. They drop Uber, and it's this liberating experience, right? All of a sudden, all these people that either needed to make second income or were taxi drivers and weren't happy with the commission split that they were getting, they go out and they form their own little independent contracting business as Uber drivers using this application as a way to connect with consumers. And for anyone who's used Uber, you probably found it to be incredibly uh, efficient and effective way of traveling, especially in cities that you that you don't know very well. And then the CEO comes out and says, essentially, by 2025, he wants to get rid of all those people and just use self-driving cars. So Uber changes the face of the, of the uh, livery transportation industry, and then is going has immediate plans to do it again in 10 years. And I think. It is this automated world, I think, that's really scaring people. And uh, Marty, I want to get your thoughts on this. Well, there's, there's a couple of reasons that it's, that it's scary, and that is um, it's very easy for us to get comfortable. Um, and, and you and I talk about this on a regular basis, um, particularly within respects to our industry. It's easy to, to become successful and then become comfortable and sort of going to coast mode. And, and the challenge we have uh, today is that innovation, as we talked about in our last podcast, is accelerating dramatically. And every now and again, that those innovations combine to create disruption. And so if you aren't all, if you get overly comfortable and you aren't always working on improving your skills Watching where the the world is going, Ryan. To quote your dad, keeping your head on a swivel, um, you are going to be in a position where potentially 
something comes up and blindsides you. In the case of our, uh, in the case of our, our, our German um, big rig driver, he's in danger of being outsourced by a robot. In the case of the CEO of Uber, he has realized that he's revolutionized the business, but there is nothing keeping him on top of the heap. So he's already thinking of the next, the next iteration of the company to maintain dominance. Okay? Now, I think we have a completely different podcast that's all about what does that mean? Because quite frankly, I believe he's offloading quite a bit of the costs of his, organ, of, of his operation to his independent contractors. We all know about the insurance problems with that. And ultimately, he's not bearing those costs. The corporation is not bearing those costs today. What does it mean when he's got a fleet of self-driving cars? Well, now that is going to be internalized. So I think one of his big cost benefits goes away. But ultimately, the key to this article is the way that you avoid being replaced is by having a personal connection to your customers, to your coworkers, to the industry in general. Yeah, I think, and, and this is so. This is where uh, Mars starts to make his recommendation. So he tells this early story about uh, his his German friend's father and about Uber, and and his very first point that he makes in his like three career proofing tips for the digital whatever. Uh, the name of the article, uh, is that the human factor is going to matter even more than ever before. And, uh, you know, I, I actually wrote a comment in the, in the comment section of this article and, and one of the lines, I think it's, it's, it kind of epitomizes my thought on this. It's, it's with every new piece of automation that helps create efficiency in our lives, there is an equal and opposite need for unscalable human love, attention, connection, um, emotion. So where I think, so, so what does this mean for our industry? You know, Marty and I bang the drum of, you know, we have to be awake. We have to, like you said, Marty, head on a swivel. We have to be eyes open to what's coming. And I think what we do really good as an industry is human connection. And I, the problem is that we're not really good at all at automation. And that's where we're getting beat. Now, I ultimately think that this creates opportunity and an advantage for us, and it already has been for the agencies that have uh, that have started to understand that the human connection, the human emotion that's necessary in every interaction and in every sale and every relationship, um, in, in keeping in keeping clients, you know, retention, you know, so much of the business that we keep and kind of the, the standard independent agency has nothing to do with the service or the carrier or the work we do because, you know, most of the time our, you know, if, if we're not using e-signature and we're not good at email and we make people come into our office, it's not a great customer experience, but there is an incredible human connection. That's what keeps people around. So where I see the opportunity in our industry is that the automation is the easy part, right? Automation should be the easy part. It's that human side. So I think Uber is going to struggle if they do try to make this transition is that one of the things, and, and Marty, I, I would love to get your thoughts on this too. One of the things I love the most about Uber, I talk to the drivers, right? The drivers are for the most part very friendly. I get into a taxi and it's somebody talking on their headpiece. They don't even acknowledge me. The cab stinks. It's smelly. It's dirty. And uh, the just equipment is all over. Half the time, the credit card swiper doesn't work. It's terrible. You get into an Uber driver and it, or an Uber car, 
And like, I've just, I've probably taken two dozen or more rides and every single one of them, the driver has been at least alert, awake, the car's been clean. And more importantly, like I would say 75% of the people like were conversing with me and I'm talking about whatever city I'm in and, you know, Hey, you know, I'm here for the first time. Where should I go for dinner tonight? And they're giving me recommendations and all this really great stuff. And I think where he's going to struggle is, is keeping that human connection to his business if he removes the humans from the process. There's a couple, uh, there are a couple of things there now, you know, um, I'm with you when I want conversation, I want conversation that's, uh, at a certain level that's, that's clear headed, that's intelligent, all those kind of things. Um, but there are other times when I am perfectly happy to be, and particularly traveling, um, you know, it's, it's hard enough to get through the day's work, uh, when you're, at home, when you're traveling, it just adds to the stress because you're out of your element. There's a lot of stuff going on. You got to make sure that you, you know, keep a hold of all your stuff going through the uh, security lines, blah, blah, blah. So sometimes I just want to shut down and ignore the world and get on with my life. So I'm not sure that I completely agree uh, with, with your uh, statement regarding you got to have human uh, interaction in the cab. But I think you sort of, you expressed um, your contentment with the cleanliness of the Uber uh, experience as compared to the other. And I I just want to talk very briefly about that. That is, to me, a clear indication of the power of consumer reviews. The fact that you are going to step out of that vehicle and you are going to be encouraged to review that driver regarding his personality, regarding the cleanliness of his vehicle, and that ultimately that is going to determine the future path for that driver creates a huge incentive for all of those drivers to do beneficial things for the Uber network. And that is something that carries way beyond just that individual driver, because you have so many, you said yourself, two dozen rides now, the vast majority of them highly positive. You are now incented to think about Uber the next time you travel. Oh yeah. You know, and and I think you made, you made a good point about, um, you think that there will be certain circumstances where you don't want to talk to a human. So I actually, um, you know, I, I wasn't trying to say that I think it'll always, it'll, it should be a hundred percent human. I think what'll happen is cause so for people who aren't familiar with Uber, there are different versions of it. There's Uber X, which is, just could be any car. There's Uber black, which is a, a standard black town car. There's Uber SUV, which is a big SUV. So when there were five of us, uh, this is actually down in New Orleans or no, there were four of us big grown men and we were trying to go to the world war ii museum i wasn't going to order an uber x or an uber black which it would be shoved in like sardines i got an uber suv so we you know four grown men didn't have to sweat on each other and i think there will be absolutely and maybe even before 10 years a self-driving option uber self or something right where you, you, you don't want to talk to anybody. You just want the robot experience. You just want to get in the car and vegetate or do work or whatever. And, and that's the experience that you're looking for. So you choose that option. But I still believe there will always need to be some, 
there will need to be an Uber SUV that has an actual driver in it because you're just, maybe you're in your third city. You know, I was traveling from, uh, I, I went to uh, Richmond, Virginia to, to talk to some young agents. And then the next, the very next week I was in um, uh, Illinois. And then the very next day I was in Omaha. And just when you're on the road, like you said so much, it really does, you, you start to lose your grip with humanity, right? You're just in one hotel room, in an airplane, back in, you know, in another cab, blah, 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 and you're just going, going, going. And I had a really great uh, driver from the Omaha airport to uh, the hotel. And this was actually a taxi driver. This wasn't an Uber, uh, mostly because the airports are still not allowing Ubers to pick up there for the most part. Um, but, you know, he's telling me about Omaha and I'm asking him questions and, and he's, and I, it was just like for that 20 minutes, it was really nice. Like it was really nice to feel like for 20 minutes I was connected to this person um, and we were chatting. And if that was just a, a blank robot, it would that would have made the trip tougher. Like this guy actually helped improve the quality of my trip for those 20 minutes just because I had a chance to chat with him, right? Because you're just, you're just, the travel life is such a grind. Even if you're meeting people, it's tough to really have like a good, you know, you're always in a room with tons of noise and there's tons of people around. And you don't ever get a chance to just have a conversation. And um, I still think people are going to want that. And I know as a traveler myself, there will be times when I definitely would like, like you, like, right, I just want to turn my brain off, put me in the car, let me close my eyes or do whatever, just vegetate. But I also think there's always going to be an option for both. And um, this is why I think this is so relevant to our industry and that we have to find moments to build in automation and also these unscalable human moments where you couldn't do this for all your people, but in this moment, you're going to connect with this one person and give them an experience that they, that they won't forget or that will impact them in some way. And, and making that balance, I think, really is the key to growing our business uh, at the agency level. The real key is transactional insurance. There isn't a lot of value add in it. And so if the, if the issue is just, you know, I need that policy just for whatever reason, there isn't a ton of value add there. Where we shine is when you get to that area where there are questions, where getting the answer from the cube farm isn't as quality as spending time with an advisor who isn't being clocked, who isn't... Um, being evaluated on how many phone calls they answered, but somebody who has the time to actually explore with you what your exposures are, what they might be in a short period of time, and then to craft a product that fulfills your needs. That's the real value add that we bring. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I, uh, I just, it's something that we have to keep in our mind, right? I, I don't ever think that we should believe if anyone ever tries to push on us that agents will no longer exist. I think that's complete crap. But we have to get better at the automation side. And ultimately, the larger conversation around should be around finding the balance. Because I think in that balance of like transactional insurance, providing transactional insurance opportunities, and with human, you know, our unscalable human interactions, that's where the rubber meets the road. And I just, I, 
I feel as strongly about this as a major concept in the future of the independent agency system as I do any of the stuff that we talk about in this show. But I want to move on. We've kind of beat that up. Uh, uh, links to the article, if you want to check it out, uh, agencynation.com forward slash podcast, and then uh, find episode 13. This is episode number 13. Lucky number 13. Actually, Marty, I was born on Friday the 13th, so this is an incredibly lucky episode for us. Um, Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Dynamite drop in, Marty. No. Uh, so let's talk about uh, this other article that I found. Or actually, this is a podcast. And uh, for those that aren't big podcast listeners beyond this show, I'm going to give you a show that you should mix in. It's not insurance industry specific, but it's smart. It, it really dives into major concepts in the world of branding, marketing, sales, uh, digital business. Um, incredibly smart guy puts it on. It's uh, the Six Pixels of, of Separation podcast by Mitch Joel, um, and spelled just kind of Mitch Joel, like Billy Joel, J-O-E-L, and incredibly smart guy. And I'll also have this episode of his show linked up in the show notes as well. It's called Ad Blocking and the Future of Advertising with Seth, Seth Godin. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is they, they make a point here. So, the, so the, the idea is that there are now applications uh, for our cell phones and for our desktop computers and laptops that, that block ads. So a website has an ad that would normally pop up in front of you, and this says, boom, nope, we're not going to show that ad. And it sounds like, you know, you're probably all like, oh, that sounds amazing. I hate ads. I don't want to see them. Let's, you know, I'm going to go find one of these applications. And a lot of people are. This is becoming a, a serious problem. So what Mitch says in the podcast, that it would be easy to miss this question, but I think it is the most powerful statement that is made throughout the entire episode. He asked Seth Godin, who is like the godfather of permission-based digital marketing. If you haven't read his book, Permission Marketing, you absolutely should go out and read it today. Uh, Amazing, amazing book um, that is just as relevant today as it was 12 years ago when he wrote it. Um, He asked Seth Godin, Seth, Do you think people using these ad-blocking applications realize that the only reason content online is free is because of ads? And it was like, like, like my, you know, it was like my brain exploded. No, you know, and Seth's response was they don't care, right? So how, so this is, so this is the concept behind this. And, 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 uh, and this is where like, I, you know, just, uh, I start to really get into the meat of this. So what Mitch is asking is, do the people who are using these ad blocking platforms realize that the only reason they're able to read the New York Times for free online is because the New York Times runs ads on their website. The advertiser, the, the advertisers pay for the writers and, the, and all the th- costs, the advertising revenue, for them to be able to put, the New York Times be able to put their content online for free. Otherwise, they would have to put it behind a paywall and you would not be able to read the New York Times unless you subscribe to it like you used to have to with the newspaper. So the only reason it's free online is because of digital advertising. And when you use ad blocking software, it, gr- it impacts the advertising revenue that New York Times is able to make. So the advertising- Yeah, let's, let's unpack. Let's unpack yeah, yeah, go ahead. Unpack, unpack so, that a little. So I'm down, way down deep into geekdom. So yeah. uh, you so, unpack so, that but, a little but, bit. But what you're saying is the reason that it impacts, it, it impacts the ad revenue is because- now the, the viewership of the ads, the number of displays is going down. Yes. The actual return to the advertiser, the people actually buy something based on the fact that they saw those ads goes down. And so therefore, the amount that the advertiser is willing to pay 
to that media property goes down, down because they're not seeing the results. Yeah. So, so this becomes a problem for, for many reasons. Um, one, it, it impacts the New York Times' ability to provide free content. Maybe they can't do as many uh, hardcore journalistic things. It just becomes more of reporting what's ever on the newswire, which is boring and not why we read the New York Times, right? So there are a lot of impacts into the quality. So uh, the, the idea is that, so, so now where, where I take this a little further is into the experience that, that the publications are providing. If anyone's ever been to Entrepreneur Magazine, when you go to an article on Entrepreneur Magazine, this big full screen ad comes up and you have to click skip this ad to get to the article. The reason that people are using ad blocking software is because digital advertisers are advertising in the most intrusive, offensive ways possible. To, to click on a website and to have the page that you go to be a full screen ad that doesn't give me anything other than that ad and I have to click this tiny little button in the upper right hand corner to get through, is like insane to me. It's insane. And I think that when we, when we think about this, we, we teach our audience online to react the way based on how we present our information, right? So it, it's not the audience's fault that they're looking at ad blocking software. The advertisers, I think in this case, need to be more cognizant of how they're displaying ads. Now, some websites, I think, do a really incredible job. There are some that, that just weave ads in through, um, through their content, and you just can kind of read around it. I think that's perfectly fine. I think that there are moments, there are videos and different things, and, and people use them. But the really obtrusive interactions are, are, are what crush people's morale for reading that content and, and push them to ad blocking. So... The, the, how I tie this back into our industry and why I think this is incredibly relevant is that as an industry, uh, we have been an interruption-based marketing process for much of, what, of our history, right? We, you cold call someone and you take them away from their dinner or their family or whatever they were doing to talk to you about their, their insurance. You stop into somebody's work. Um, you run radio ads or TV ads, which are all interruption-based advertising. And I think that because we are in a unique spot where as an industry, we haven't yet overindulged in marketing, right? Except for our direct and captive competitors, which we're not talking about today because they make many of these same mistakes. I think we have an opportunity because we haven't yet engaged yet to when we actually do this to, to, to do it the right way in a permission-based way, in a way that adds value by educating, entertaining, and inspiring our audience. So my, my point here is, and I guess this is kind of theoretical and a little soapboxy, and I know, Marty, you probably haven't spoken for like five minutes. I just, I feel like the core concept here that I wanted to share with everybody is that we train our audience to interact with our content by what we do, right? They don't, they act the way that they act based on how we present that information to them. There's nothing wrong with advertising at all. Um, this podcast will be taking on advertising at some point. Right now, it's completely sponsored through trustedchoice.com. If it wasn't for the work done there, we wouldn't have any revenue to produce this for you. So, um, and we'll take, we'll, we're going to take advertising on Agency Nation and, and trustedchoice.com may have advertising someday. We need to think about the way that we present that so that it's valuable to the audience. And, um, 
And my other thing is don't use ad blocking because your favorite content that's free online today will go away if you continue to do that. I think one of the, one of the key takeaways for me from uh, this podcast was Seth Godin's statement that the recipient of the ad, the person that's viewing it, is the ultimate arbiter of whether or not the ad has value. You as the advertiser don't get that decision anymore. And so if that ad has value to the consumer, great. If it doesn't, and these are his words, it's spam. So that that creates in us as advertisers, all of us, the obligation to make our ads relevant, to make them engaging. You know, you you talked about the, the full screen, you know, mask that comes up on various sites. How how many times do you actually have to scan around trying to figure out where the close mechanism is? Uh, dude, it, don't even get me started on this. So last night, I'll tell you, last night I was doing some research on some um, content design stuff, uh, some making some upgrades to how we present our content on both agency nation and justchoice.com. So I'm going to Inc and Entrepreneur and Fast Company and so many of these sites use them. Like literally I was getting angry at these things because you're like, well, how do I get rid of this? Like I, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm not interested in a new Toyota Forerunner. Like I, how do I get rid of this ad? Like all I want to do is look at the website. Yeah, it's uh, so, 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 so let's, let's, let's go back. I mean, one of the, one of the greatest things about the job that you and I have, Ryan, is the fact that we get to talk to some of the um, some of the, the agencies that are doing some of the most creative stuff out there. And there are agencies that are doing good jobs with this, right? So so this goes back to, to the stuff that we probably talk about more than we should, but it's all about, you know, creating valuable content for, for your audience, um, sharing your expertise, helping people with the problems that are real to them. If you talk about smarmy, we are the greatest service organ. People don't care. You have to talk about the problems that are in their lives today, offer solutions, and that's how you attract new customers. Absolutely. It just, it's, it's so much, the audience has so much more power today that we just can't deny that, right? We can't dictate to the audience. And, and I think you put it, you know, really well. And, you know, I read about 30 minutes of the show. Um, you know, I know this stuff was kind of high level, but these are the concepts. You know, I, I, get, I get questions asked a lot of times. You know, uh, we did a survey for Agency Nation recently. And, and uh, for those of you that are on the email list, um, I encourage you or, or thank you for responding to that survey. We got an t- outpouring, outpouring of, of uh, responses. And I, I think I actually mentioned this on the last episode as well. And, um, you know, people, uh, people give us responses as to what kind of content they want to see in Agency Nation. And I, I, I want you to know I took that very seriously. I actually um, I'm going to be bringing on some new contributors. They're going to be kind of hitting some of the topics that, that, that you guys requested. And uh, we're going to really try to make Agency Nation the most valuable product that we can for you guys. So uh, thank you for that response. Um, one of the things that, that we did get was, you know, more kind of how-to tactical type stuff. Awesome. Love it. One of the reasons why I, I personally tend to not like to do tactical. I like, you know, for other people, uh, Sydney, Sydney Rowe uh, does a great job at tactical stuff. 
um, uh, a bunch of our contributors have, have done some really great tactical stuff. I personally believe that if you, if you own the concepts and the theories and, and the, the, the kind of ideas and strategies behind doing what we're talking about, branding, marketing, building connection, um, uh, providing a great customer experience. If you, if you understand these core concepts, then the tactics are relatively easy, right? Then you can just go to a blog post like something Sydney puts together and bang, learn how to do uh, uh, Google Analytics and it takes 15 minutes to learn how to do it. None of the tactics are overly uh, difficult. It's understanding and discerning how to apply the major concepts. And, and that's why I, I personally really enjoy these high-level conversations because I think it, it allows us to figure out what we want to do and then we can implement it. But if we try to start implementing things just to do them without understanding why, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. So uh, I appreciate everyone uh, listening today. If you're not on the newsletter yet, agencynation.com forward slash newsletter. Uh, we've, we've made some slight changes to that. It's going to be coming out once a week. It's going to be a little more uh, detailed and, and give people a little more value and, and just once a week so that you can, uh, you're not overburdened with emails. And if you have any questions, you can always email us. Ryan at Ryan Ryan.hanley at trustedchoice.com uh, or Marty.agather at trustedchoice.com. So uh, those are my parting shots. Marty, anything from you? And we'll wrap this show up. Well, the only thing I guess I, I wanted to go a little meta on our last topic. Uh, you know, the, the 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 sort of eye-opening statement or question was, well, you know, do the people care that if they block the ads that the content goes away? And ultimately, I think the answer to that is no. And the reason for that is because I want the content. I don't really care about the ads, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn something or I, I'm enjoying a story and that's what I care about at the moment. Wrap that back to our industry and think about the customer experience that we provide when a customer calls with a problem and we suddenly start talking about the underwriting issues that are involved and why it, you know, does the customer care about that? Absolutely not. It's the same thing. They've got an issue they want dealt with and they're coming to you for assistance. So ultimately our job, putting the two segments together, be personal, be problem solvers, don't bog the customer down in the realities of our business. That's the messy scene. You know, that's, the, that's the making sausage part, right? Our job is to deliver them the solution to their problems. Amen, brother. Amen. So uh, everybody, thanks for listening. This has been episode number 13. If you haven't, make sure you subscribe on iTunes. And we, we currently only have one review of this show, but I know there's a lot more than one of you listening to this show. So what we would love is if you uh, jumped over to iTunes, if that's where you listen, and leave us a rating review. It helps us better understand uh, you know, what you appreciate about the show and what you think about it. And it helps uh, more agents and industry professionals who search for podcasts inside of iTunes find us and find the show and, and helps grow the community. So uh, thanks for everything you guys do, all the support you give to Agency Nation. We appreciate you coming here. And with that, we are out of here. 